You're listening to Two Smart Assets with Chris Thompson and Danny Nichols. This is your source for passive investing and real estate syndications. It's time for us to gain knowledge and take action. So let's go. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. This is the Two Smart Assets podcast. I'm your host, Danny Nichols, here once again with my co-host, Chris Thompson. Hey, what's going on, Danny? Chris, it's good to see you, my man. You know, we got another great show this week. Tell the listeners what we're talking about today. Okay, so today uh, we talked to Lucas Miller. Uh, Lucas is a multifamily investor and a syndicator, and he's also the host of the Fear Free Passive Investing Podcast and YouTube channel. Uh, you know, today we spoke to Lucas uh, about the importance of surrounding yourself with the right type of people that are doing the things that you want to be doing that's going to help you get to the next level. Uh, We also talked about uh, the kinds of effects from COVID that we're seeing right now in the world of real estate and how that's caused him to reassess his goals for the year and how that's going to affect his planning moving forward. You know, Lucas is a smart guy, cool insights, and uh, we've been a fan for a long time. Big fan. Lucas is a great guy and I really can't wait to dive into this episode. Uh, But before we do that, just want to give a shout out to all our listeners. We really appreciate you tuning in. If you haven't done so already, please make sure to subscribe to the show and leave us a rating and written review. Really helps us grow the podcast, attract more guests, and ultimately provide better information for everyone listening. And if you're a passive investor or looking to get into passive investing, then head over to our website at twosmartassets.com. There you can grab our passive investing guide for apartment syndications. It's just a great introduction to the world of passive investing and apartment syndications. So make sure to check that out. Also grab our apartment syndication sample deal. It's going to help you get comfortable with looking at this type of investment. So when the real opportunities come your way, you'll be ready. And if you have any questions about what's in either of these resources, drop us a line anytime on our website's contact us page, or you can message us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. We're posting some great content on there. So make sure to follow us and start connecting. All right, now that we got that out of the way, let's get in the show. Hey, everybody. Today's guest is Lucas Miller. Lucas is a multifamily investor and syndicator based in Colorado. Before starting Bannock Capital and becoming a full-time investor, Lucas was a lobbyist for multifamily owners and managers. Since starting his company, he's invested in several hundred units and is looking for more. Lucas also hosts a podcast and YouTube channel called Fear Free Passive Investing, where he interviews passive investors about their journey towards investing in syndications. Lucas, it's great to see you, man. Welcome to the show. Thank you both for uh, inviting me on. It's an honor. No, it's an honor's all on this side over here, man. We, uh, we, watch, all, we watch all your, uh, all your uh, YouTube stuff that you put out. We've been listening to you for a while. And so we Well, we I think those must be the, uh, the two views that I get in my videos. <laughs> <laughs> Just let me know I'm there. That's us, yeah. man. That's us. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, it's, it's a labor of love. As, as you guys know, we were talking about before this, it's a lot of work to put out this stuff. So, you know, if you're a listener and you're, and you're enjoying what you're hearing, it means a lot to like write a review or subscribe or share the show. So, you know, that's a huge deal. So do that if you enjoy what these guys say. We appreciate that for sure. And that's, you know, like Chris was saying, we definitely, we, I don't, we definitely enjoy your stuff on fear-free passive investing. And uh, yeah, that's uh, kind of what kicked us. One of the reasons kind of why we kicked this off, because we, you know, we surround ourselves with people like you. And so it's definitely appreciated, you know, coming down the pipeline from, from you actually yeah. putting stuff out to, you know, actually getting us here to where we're here today. So appreciate oh, cool. that. But, uh, you know, so today we want to, we usually talk about building financial success through passive real estate investing. But today we kind of want to get a view of the active side of real estate syndication. So kind of, let's just start with telling us about your journey and uh, how you got started and then you became an active syndicator. 
Yeah. So uh, this, you know, this is a long journey for me. You mentioned that I was a lobbyist when we got started and um, you know, that's not the most <laughs> glamorous job. And frankly, it comes with a stigma and the stigma is like lobbyists are, you know, cheesy and they're corrupt. And to be honest, a lot of that is true. <laughs> like I, you know, I found myself in this job where, um, you know, I, I was attracted to the money, to be honest. <laughs> sure. Um, but it, it, it just comes with a whole host of problems. And if you have any sort of ethics or morals or standards, like you might be called into question or, or asked to violate those sometimes. And not in this like horrible way, like it's not a house of cards type thing, but it is like, you know, I wasn't feeling comfortable with what I was doing. And so at the time I was, uh, investing in like flips and um, single family homes and even doing a little bit of private lending um, to like a fix and flipper and to actually two fix and flippers. Um, anyway, and so I was doing that on the side and thinking like that was the pinnacle of real estate investing. Like that, that was what you did. And um, you mentioned I was a lobbyist, but I was a lobbyist for apartment owners and managers here in the Denver area and nationally too, but mostly the Denver area. And I got to surround myself with some of the biggest and most important people, quote, um, in the Colorado apartment group gang, I guess you could say. So the people that, that basically own almost all of um, the apartments here in Colorado were part of this group. And I got to surround myself with those people. And so one of those guys was really young um, at the time. And I, I was like 26, 28, probably when I started that job. Um, and he was like a couple years older than me. And I was like, how are you doing this? Like, how are you buying these huge, massive buildings? You know, you're only a couple of years older. I thought this was like an old man's game with a lot of money and all that stuff. And uh, so he just kind of, you know, sparked that interest in me and said like, well, you can raise money from people. And you can use that as equity in these deals and then get bank financing to do the rest. And then you can own these buildings. And in, in theory, it sounds so simple. Like when, when someone just says that, but it was like a light bulb went on and you just realize like, wow, there, I mean, you don't have to be old and super experienced and come up through the ranks in this to own a building. Basically, you need to know how to solve problems and you need to know how to network and find solutions to things that scare other people away. And that was exactly what I was really interested in doing. And so um, after he kind of sparked that interest, it took a couple of years of to, you know, gain the confidence of myself and uh, kind of learn what I was doing. But then in 2017, I believe, 20. Late, late 2017, early 2018, I left my job and started doing this full time, which I was trying to juggle it by having a nine to five job and, and trying to run apartments on the side. And it, it was hard. It was not impossible. I know several people that do it really well, um, but it was hard. <laughs> and I had the opportunity to leave my job. Um, my wife, you know, got a very nice job and uh, kind of gave me that, that extra push to be able to do this. And so uh, started doing that. I got hooked up with some other really great folks that were doing this and helped me along my journey. And, um, I'm sure we'll talk about that too. And, and just, uh, 
you know, kind of catapulted me into several hundred units, almost a thousand units now. Um, wow. And we're recording this in late, oh, early October now. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. Yeah, man, that's a that's a quite the journey. It sounds like you're making some big moves there, and your journey has accelerated. Uh, you know, as you learn more and you surround yourself with the right people, and you know, one of the things that we understand about you know syndication itself, being an active syndicator or really even passive, really, but it's all about surrounding yourself with the right people. You know, so can you talk mm -hmm. to us a little bit how you started to to surround yourself with the right people and how that's changed your investing tra trajectory, really? Because you know, you kind of went from you know having a job and then you know, you quit your job to become an active syndicator. What was, what was the key there to surround yourself to the right people to have that trajectory? Yeah. Well, it all started by just really immersing myself into apartments. Like I, I know way more than it, you have to know to get started in this business, but like I learned everything from like development to, um, you know, how to do a unit turn to what the leasing professional does, what the leasing manager, what the leasing assistant does. And so I learned all that stuff while I was working in this job, this lobbying job. And I just kind of got to know what it's like to run that business that is an apartment building. And then the cool part about what I was doing is I got to surround myself with those people that I was talking about, those really heavy hitters here, and really learn from them. And it didn't feel like a mentor mentee relationship with them because I was doing work for them. Like I, I was being paid and doing work for them. Uh, but I also got to ask them questions about how they run their business, how they raise money, how they get investors. And um, it, it, it's really interesting. I found a lot of really great people to help me along the way. Um, but at the same time, those folks that were part of that organization were also like, developers and um, apartment developers or A-class building uh, leasing professionals or managers. And I learned enough about that to learn that I had no interest in development at all. And that's just my own preference. Like I, for those who might not understand development, you put a whole lot of money down, like within the first few months of the project, like sometimes millions and millions of dollars. And then you don't see a return for 18, 24, sometimes 48 months. And I, that, I can't stomach that. Right. <laughs> I'm young. I have a family. I can't, I can't do that. I'm, I don't think I would ever sleep. So um, I knew I didn't want anything to do with development. Not, and that's not a slight against anyone who does that, but I, sure. it's just not for me. So I settled on an asset class that I thought was really good because it was what I understood. It was basically flipping apartments, which is what I was doing at the time. I was buying a distressed property, putting a little bit of money into it, and then putting it up on the market and either renting it or putting it up for sale. And that just made a lot of sense to me. It was a way to force appreciation. And this was like 2016, 2017, when I was thinking about doing this. And I remember talking to some people and they were like, well, we're at the top of the cycle now, so it really doesn't make sense to get involved in any of this stuff, and you shouldn't buy anything right now. And that was 2016. <laughs> and there, little did I know, there was a, at a minimum four years left on that cycle um, to make some really good money. But, you know, that, that's a good adage of like, don't take advice from someone who hasn't done what they're telling you not to do or, or whatever that is. Um, and so I, I realized like I, I didn't have anybody around me that knew how to do this value add apartment flipping strategy. 
And, um, you know, through bigger pockets, through all those places that you go podcast, um, you know, there's people that offer like coaching and training. And so I didn't really like a lot of them, um, uh, for a couple of different reasons, um, which are personal reasons, not, not anything professionally. Um, but then I met my partner and coach and his name is Mark and I just instantly really liked him. We had a really good relationship and he fit exactly what I was needing. Um, and, and I think every multifamily coach, if you want to call him that every single one has different things to offer. And so it doesn't make sense to choose, you know, one, just because someone else chose one, it, it, you need to understand what you fit into and what you want to do. So he fit exactly into what I was trying to do. And so we did that and he helped me get started in this and get into my first several deals. And then, um, you know, it's, that's been a almost two and a half years, three years almost. So you got a lot of good stuff there. I'm actually curious, you know, cause we're kind of on the lookout right now for a, uh, for a mentor or coach. And I'm curious, like you said, like he, like he fit what you needed. Yeah. Right. I, I'm actually curious, like, how did you figure out, let, let's say like from your perspective, how did you go f- about figuring out what you needed that helped you identify that in him? Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Um, so I think the biggest problem that I had was I was trying to do everything myself. Um, so I was trying to find the deals. I was trying to close the deals, raise the money, operate the deals, and it just wasn't working. I'm not good at all of those different steps. What I really needed help on is underwriting. Um, that's not my strong suit. And so I was kind of relying on my wife who does like statistic data research and stuff for her day job to kind of help me through that underwriting. Um, but that's not really fair to her either because, <laughs> you know, she, that's a lot of pressure on her for something she doesn't want to do or isn't trained to do. So, um, so I needed someone who could teach me how to underwrite things in a way I could understand. Um, Mark's background is in like tax accounting and spreadsheets and analysis. So he, he's phenomenal at that stuff. Um, and then I didn't really need so much um, support in the actual steps involved in a deal. Like I didn't, I know how to raise money. I know how to market. I know how to do those things that require, you know, the money to come in. I understand the rehab process. I'm not brand new to real estate investing. And I think Mark's training is phenomenal with that, but I was able to really identify what exactly I needed, which was um, definitely analytics and then access to brokers. Um, if you've spent any time in multifamily at all, trying to find your own deals, it's very difficult. It's, it's, it's incredibly difficult. And some people never get past that. And I don't blame them. It's hard. Um, and so you basically need someone to introduce you to someone um, and say, look, this person can actually do a deal. Um, and, and that's the only way brokers are going to take you seriously. And so Mark, part of, as part of his coaching, offers you introductions to brokers, offers you introductions to his brokers, um, which is huge. So um, I think those were the two biggest things I was struggling with operating on my own is underwriting really good deals, like trying to find really good deals. And then understanding that the relationship brings the good deals. Um, so I, I had to put the relationship first and then the deal started coming. 
I think that's extremely valuable. Uh, I don't think I, I didn't know that, but I don't think I could have said it better myself, but like putting that relationship yeah. first is uh, paramount. Well, and relationships between other folks too. Like I don't have the ability to raise $24 million or $10 million, but I know folks that have the ability to raise a million dollars or $5 million or whatever. And the relationship between us and finding mutual ground where we can trust each other. And we all know, um, and I say we all, meaning the students of Mark's coaching program, um, those are the only people that I've done deals with only because um, I know there's a base level of education there. I know Mark is there. He's looked at a deal. Um, this is three years in almost four. Yeah. A little over three years in for me. And this deal that I'm working on right now is the first deal I'm doing without Mark involved. Um, which is, it's not to say anything about Mark. It's just more of a graduation process and, sure. um, which is really cool to me. So. Yeah, it sounds like there's a lot of power in, you know, having that mentor, that coach to kind of, you know, get that, that, that accelerate your progress. So I think that's a, that's a good point for our listeners to take. And uh, I kind of want to transition a little bit. You know, you talked about a deal you're kind of doing right now. You're doing it on your own. But, you know, this has been a crazy year, man. Uh, it's just been, you know, yeah. nuts all over the place. And, you know, as passive investors, before COVID really hit, uh, the the passive syndication opportunities, uh, you know, they weren't too difficult to find. You get a couple come across your desk, didn't seem that to be much of an issue. But I kind of want to talk about what your experience was as an active investor when all this started to happen. You know, I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, you know, when all this actually started hitting, did you experience any challenges, and what was that like? Yeah. Um, so to back up, I've I'm also a passive investor, so I understand the the trepidation and that's part of the reason why i started fear-free passive investing was because a i had questions about what passive investors were thinking and b uh, because i recognized that there were serious problems with other operators that were offering deals and i wanted to highlight that and kind of say this is not normal you might not know this because you're brand new to this but this is not normal these fees they're charging or whatever whatever it is. I've got a ton of videos on trashing other people. But, um, <laughs> yeah. So COVID, COVID was, I mean, it's brand new to everyone, right? Obviously nobody's really gone through some of that stuff. Um, but some of the fundamentals of real estate investing remained the same. People wanted to uh, stay in their homes. They didn't want to leave and people still had to pay rent to live in their homes. And so it was still a priority for a lot of people. Um, so, so that gave us a little bit of, of insight. Nobody really knew what was going to happen with rents. Rents dipped a tiny bit in April down to like maybe 20% below where collections normally were, or maybe about 20% overall, 10% below where they were at normal, whatever it is. It wasn't a huge dip, but it was right back up the next month, maybe two or 3% off where it normally is. So, um, that gave us a lot of confidence moving forward to continue looking at deals uh, because nobody was looking to buy deals during this time. Mm. Uh, at least a majority of people weren't. Um, and so I thought, well, there's our opportunity because, you know, people saw what happened to multifamily during COVID. And we knew this looking back now, uh, not that it's over, but, you know, sure. I, I'd say the worst of it is probably over. At least the unknowns are over. And multifamily fared very well office, not so much retail, not, not so much. 
Um, office and industrial fared way better than multifamily, but they've also fared way worse. So I think you see a lot of people, um, family offices, institutional owners, folks that are hemorrhaging money in hotels right now or, or whatever the asset class is, they're looking at multifamily and saying, yeah, the returns aren't as good as I can get in self-storage or whatever, but it's pretty stable and it fared very well in this scenario. And so fast forward to um, about June, I'd say, we had an offering. We had a really great deal that was pre-COVID, but, and we had some hiccups. Um, but we raised a little over $4 million in like two weeks. Wow. I mean, the, the investor appetite was crazy. And the sophisticated, sophisticated investor appetite was very hungry for deals. The brand new to investing, um, never done a passive investment deal. Those people stayed on the sidelines and understandably so. Um, it's a scary time to be making your first investment. I understand sure. that. Uh, but I actually did have a few first time investors in that deal, which, which was cool. Um, but the people who recognize that if you can buy a desirable asset class at a discount and for no other reason than because of a virus or a pandemic, um, then that's going to, to fare very well for you. Um, so I'd say COVID definitely threw us, uh, you know, it threw everybody off for sure. But I'd say what we learned out of that is that this is a resilient asset class, that there's some, probably some unknown problems that are going to come out of this, whether it's um, the eviction thing, which still hasn't been addressed very well. Uh, a moratorium on evictions of a certain type. Um, different regions were definitely affected more. Um, the Southeast was fairly insulated from all this. Um, a deal in Little Rock, Arkansas is doing way better during COVID. Like collections mm -hmm. kept going up because most of those people are healthcare workers. So those people never missed a day of work. In fact, got paid hazard pay and overtime and all kinds of stuff. So they did very well. Um, one of the deals that I don't own or am not on the ownership, but I know about in um, Charleston, South Carolina, that had some very hard times and it still might be recovering uh, because most of those jobs are related to logistics and shipping and ports. Um, when everything stopped flowing from China, those people stopped working. Um, so it, regionally, you're going to have some sort of shift. But realistically, if you can buy a deal right now with a fairly low cost basis with some sort of forced appreciation to be available um, over a five to seven, sometimes up to 10 year plan, I, I don't see how those deals aren't going to perform very well in a normal economy um, or even a slightly depressed economy. I, I'd say those deals are going to fare very well. You know, I kind of want to, <clears throat> piggyback off of uh off of Danny's last question there um I'm curious like do you uh foresee like any um like trend or do you do you currently see or do you do you anticipate any trends like emerging from this uh any kind of changes that maybe that tenants are looking for or that even operators are doing like what kind of trends are do you anticipate um so I I don't know. It, it, during this whole pandemic, there was a guy trying to raise a lot of money for a development deal. And he kind of switched his plans halfway through COVID and he made it so 
he shifted away from more public amenities like a pool. I think he took out the pool, maybe the hot tub area, and instead added more units or something. Um, it's too early to tell on that. I have no idea what the development landscape is going to look like, whether units are going to be, you know, bigger because people want, if they're staying home more, they want to, you know, be in a bigger place or, you know, if, if the co-working amenities aren't going to fare well, I don't know about that. Um, from our standpoint, we're taking a distressed C-class building, turn it into a not distressed, very nice C plus building, things haven't changed much for us. I mean, we still put in dog parks if people want them, barbecue grill areas, make the pool a little nicer. Um, that hasn't changed anything from what we do, um, but it changes the way we, we definitely underwrite deals and it changes the way we do on the acquisition side, uh, mostly involving our contract negotiations. <laughs> um, sure you know, cause nobody really knows what's going to happen, but I don't think that this is going to be something that's going to fundamentally change how we uh, operate this business. It just seems like people are always going to need a place to stay. Um, and you know, small things might change here and there. Like people were, were getting away from the studios going into one bedrooms. I saw that in one of the national multifamily housing coalitions, um, studies but you know that could be just on a class stuff too i don't know uh, probably too soon for me to tell good i mean that's i figured it would be hard to i mean no one can no one's really got a crystal ball they're just kind of curious um people are guessing I, <laughs> right uh I, I was actually curious to get your take on on something here uh you know obviously this year uh has been yeah i don't know let's just say one for the record books, right? Yeah. Um, but but true or not, like I I feel like um, I lost some time this year. You know, like just being being stuck in the house. Yeah. I'm maybe I'm not the only one who feels that way. Maybe I don't know. But um, you know, there's some there's some goals that you know previously set that that maybe you're not achieved or uh, maybe they just need readjusting, right? You know course corrections happen. And I was hoping, at least this year, I was hoping to have a little bit more to show for it. You know, we, we go into 2020 like gung-ho and then just yep. get kicked right in the pants. Uh, I was curious, you know, like, how do you feel about, uh, about the goals for 2020 that you have set, uh, that you previously <laughs> set, you know, and like, yeah. have you had to make any course corrections or, you know, what does that, what does that do for you for 2021? Yeah. Um, big time, actually. It's funny because that you mentioned that because last night or the night before, my son, who's he's six years old, um, my wife and I laid out some 2020 goals uh, back way back in January of like what we wanted to focus on, what we didn't want to focus on, where we thought things were going. And so my six-year-old son found those in my office and pulled them out because they're on big sheets of like post-it notes, like those big mm. post-it notes. Right. So he found those and he was drawing on them. And so I kind of had to look at them again, was forced to look at them again. <laughs> and uh, yeah, my goals were a little bit off from what I've experienced now. Um, definitely a lot of course correcting uh, because, you know, we, we went into January, me and, and a couple partners just gung-ho, like, we're going acquisitions full bore because we see nothing changing in that. Um, we had 
you know, probably like two or 300 units total, uh, probably more than that, three, 350 um, in the pipeline of deals that were solidly in our camp that we had a very good shot at. Some of them were under contract and then COVID hits and it's like, well, we don't know if we're going to get our flooring from China. We don't know if our toilets are going to be rerouted. We don't know any of this stuff. So yeah, we obviously course corrected right away, um, turned off distributions. We tried to preserve as much member capital as we could because we didn't know what was going to happen. Um, turns out all of our deals are, are performing very well. Some are a few months behind, which is not surprising. Um, but the course correction for me mostly came on the acquisition side that was put on hold for like six months. Um, and it's just now, uh, over the last like week, I've started seeing a ton of deals coming across my desk, like a lot, which means everybody's been holding on to these deals for like the right time to market them and sell them. And brokers are just sending things left and right. And so, you know, I had a goal of doing four properties this year and didn't hit that, not even close. So um, we'll probably sneak in another one before the end of the year. But beyond that, my goals are just preserving member capital or investor capital, just because, you know, that, that could have been a very bad scenario. And we learned a lot of lessons, um, but, you know, hopefully it's for the best and we keep learning from that. But yeah, a lot of course correcting and my goals for me this year. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, we've all experienced that quite a bit. Kind of, kind of agree with you both yeah. there. And uh, I think we can all agree that we hope that next year is much, much better. You know, I mean, we can set some goals, and hopefully, we can get in there and start crushing them. So, yeah, but, I mean, uh, yeah, man. You know what, Lucas? Go ahead. No, yeah, I thought that that was really good. We, you said um, we'll learn from it next year. And I, I think that's exactly what I'm trying to, to accomplish here is, is how can we make 2021 better given everything we know now? And that's exactly how I'm going into my, my goal setting this year, I guess is a good way. So let me ask you, and I, I, I like your point there. So when it comes, you know, we set goals and we're usually, you know, you think about a goal and let's like times it by two, you know, let's see if we can yeah. achieve that or something. Are you being a little more cautious when setting your goals going into 2021 or are you just same as usual? Um, the, the cautious part of me and the conservative part of me has been on the underwriting side. So mm. when we used to say, okay, we're going to experience an 11% um, you know, economic vacancy in year two, now it's like a 14 or 17%. So we assume the deals are going to go down after we buy them anyway, the, the most adjustment I've had lately is now I have to raise a lot more money because we have these interest reserves, um, which the lenders are requiring us to put aside to pay the bills, which is really good for investors, but it's hard for, for the active syndicator. Mm. Um, but I'm also just being a whole lot more conservative on where I think things are going. I assume the worst and hope for the best. And um, so I, I guess to answer your question on that respect, I'm being very conservative. On the other hand, if I can find a deal that hits those, I'm going to buy it. I'm going to buy it as, as quickly as I can because, you know, typical close time is 45, maybe up to 60 days to close an apartment deal. A lot changes in between there. And so oh, yeah. um, interest rates, like some, some 
some loan products actually fluctuate in the rate before you lock it in on the close date. So, you know, we try and do things as quickly as possible because right now interest rates are incredibly low and the lending environment on the, for, for GSE loans or government sponsored entity loans like Fannie and Freddie, those loans are very attractive right now. Um, and so trying to close those as quick as possible would be my goal. But yeah, I, I'm full bore trying to buy stuff, assuming it fits a very conservative box. Love it. That's some great stuff. We hope you're uh, definitely gonna find some more deals uh, before the end of this year, or maybe even the next year, you know, so hopefully you're out there, you're out there crushing it, man. We'll, uh, we're obviously uh, looking forward to following your, su your success for sure. But, uh, you know, it's been a great conversation, Lucas. We're really getting uh, loved learning more about you and your journey and your story and all that stuff. But before we get out of here, we want to take some time and shine the spotlight on you, man. So tell us what you have going on. Yeah, I appreciate that. That's really cool of you guys to do this. Um, I, I just appreciate you inviting me on and, and letting me share my story. That's always fun. Um, if you're a passive investor and you're like, I have no idea what's going on. I do pretty regular videos, not so much regular now, but during COVID, that was another thing that shifted for me is like, I just went all in on podcasting and videos and stuff. So we've got a lot of videos up about trying to educate folks on what is the right thing to be investing in and what is normal and what's not normal and what you should look out for. So if you're a passive investor, check out fear-free passive investing. We're on YouTube or, or podcasts. Um, but other than that, man, I'm just hoping to do more deals and meet more great people like you guys. Absolutely. And, you know, we really appreciate you coming on the show for sure. But uh, before we get here, tell us a little bit more about Bandit Capital and like maybe where yeah. our listeners can find more about you and get a hold of you if they need to. Yeah, Bannock Capital is my company. And it, actually, Bannock Street is where I bought my first investment property oh. here in Denver. So that, that's where that name comes from. Nice. Uh, most people say like Bangkok or <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. So anyway, but yeah, that's that's my investment company. Uh, BannockCapital.com is where you can find me. Or actually, I have a link to it at Fear Free Passive Investing. So you can, you can go vice versa both ways. Um, but yeah, I appreciate the shout out. But you can Absolutely. always email me, lucas at bannockcapital.com. Perfect. We're going to make sure to include all that stuff on the show notes. And we highly encourage all of our listeners to go check out Fear Free Passive Investing. Like I said, you're, you're putting out some amazing stuff there, Lucas. You got Thank some you. great guests coming on your show. Nice videos, providing tips and information, man. Uh, so we highly encourage everyone to go check that out for sure. Appreciate that. Yep. And you know what, Lucas? It's great having you on, this, on the show today. We really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us. Thank you both. I appreciate it. No You're problem, the man, man, Lucas. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. That's all we have for today. So to our listeners, thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. Head over to iTunes to subscribe to the show. And while you're there, we really appreciate you leaving a rating and written review. If you have any questions or topics you'd like to hear on the show, connect with us on social media or through our website at twosmartassets.com. We look forward to speaking to each and every one of you. Talk to you soon.